Welcome to the Breakfast Leadership Show, where we interview global thought leaders on business, leadership, and life. Here's your host, keynote speaker, best-selling author, and chief burnout officer of the Breakfast Leadership Network, Michael Levitt. Welcome back. I've got Alexander and Aishan on the line. Alexander, how are you? Fine, thanks. Yourself? Mike? I am I am awesome. Really looking forward to this conversation. So why don't you Mike? share a little bit about you and uh, what you do? Okay, I'm 55 years old in, uh, on Sunday, actually. Um, I've been in, in finance, uh, financial analyst since the late 80s. I'm um, based in Zurich and London, uh, mainly. Um, since 2009, I've got my own firm called Inital Research and Management. Uh, my client base is, is actually institutional investors, mainly like, like pension funds, insurance companies, banks, hedge funds, asset managers, family offices, that, that type of uh, client base. Um, I do, uh, I, I sort of, I grew up doing uh, research on, on risk management. So I started out in, in derivatives research and then later I, I did uh, research on, on hedge funds. Uh, and now I do, uh, I call my research risk management and now casting research. I'm happy to talk about that in, in more detail. Uh, and I'm based in uh, Switzerland, uh, uh, married, four kids, and I recently published my third book. Well, congratulations. Congratulations on all of that amazing work. Before we dive into the new book, I want to talk to you a little bit about, you know, especially you, you've got, you know, a focus on risk management right now, and especially in the world that we are in at this particular moment in time with the COVID pandemic still kind of lingering on a little bit. There's inflation in certain parts of the world and cost and supply chain challenges and all of that. And then, of course, the, uh, the conflict in, in the Ukraine as well. These are all situations that you know, investors and the markets hate uncertainty. And it just seems like right now there's an absolute ton of uncertainty in a variety of different areas. So you know, what, what's your observation on you know, what we're seeing in the world right now? And, and again, not, not investment advice, but you know, what are some things that you do and you, you've advised your, your, your clients and the people that work with um, on, on how to navigate through all of this? Yeah, well, uh, first, the one reason I do now casting is because uh, I don't believe you can predict the future. So I believe, like, let's say the economy and, and financial markets are uh, unpredictable by definition. And the reason is that they are chaotic. Chaotic means uh, like a, a small uh, disturbance can have a, a large impact on the, on the outcome. And the typical example is that uh, a butterfly um, swings its wings in the Amazon and through uh, lots of of a, a chain reaction, essentially, that causes a tornado in Texas. Uh, and 2020, it was something very small in February that changed everything, right? Small as in the virus, you know, we need a microscope to, uh, to, to see it. So a small disturbance uh, in, 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 in February, um, you know, made obsolete all the, the, the forecasts for that particular year. And almost the same thing happened this year, right? The small disturbance and, and you know, small as in, you know, an event which, which you know, wasn't in the, on the radar uh, to a large extent in, in, uh, in December like the invasion uh, in, in, in February 
changed everything. That's why I do now casting. And now casting, you just go with um, with with the, the data points you have every day. You know, you um, new information comes and and you you assess it. Um, and there are trends. Um, I mean, it's not everything is random. I, that's not you know what I claim at all. But there are trends. Like for example, uh, since mid. Um, 2020, uh, I sort of like tell my clients that we are in an energy regime, which is very different fr uh, from a, a tech regime, tech as in technology. And one way to show that um, over, over the decades is, for example, by the relative performance of um, technology stocks versus energy. Um, that's, that's one way. Or you can also actually um, compare the, the Canadian stock market with, uh, with the American stock market. And if you overlay these two relative performance measures, you see that for about 12 years, we were in the tech regime, which everything sort of like, you know, comes like the, the fact man as in Amazon, Apple, uh, Netflix, and so on, did, did well, that the whole tech sector, and it, it includes parts of uh, consumer discretionary and, and communica uh, communication services. Um, and then that changed uh, around uh, in, in 2020, second or, or, or third quarter. And now it's, it's, it's sort of like, like the opposite, right? It's it, these, what, what, what the, the, the tech regime um, is, is, is not doing well, whereas everything we, it has to do with, with, uh, with fossil energy, like, like gas or, or oil, uh, and also food. Uh, a lot of a lot of food, like like fertilizer, has has a lot to do with fossil fossil energy. is is doing well, right? Um, and these these trends they can last for years. And as a now a now caster, I just say we're in that regime. But I don't say it'll end in October two thousand and twenty six. That's what I don't do. Right? I just go with it until I can measure objectively that something has changed. I think that's a great way to approach it because, again, you're, you're dealing with information that you have here now. We don't have information from 2026. It's not here yet. Yes, we can project, we can guess, we can look at previous models and trends and whatnot, but at the end of the day, things can change. Like you said, just a little minuscule thing like a virus that you know, ran rampant across the globe or a conflict uh, between two countries that has a gigantic ripple effect on supply chain because of sanctions and supply and who's supplying what. It, you know, it does bring to light you know, concerns uh, when you have what I like to call a singular point of failure, you know, where if, if the majority of the world is getting a particular resource from one region and that one region becomes compromised to one extent or another, it has a gigantic impact on everything, which, of course, impacts all, all aspects of life, you know, not just supply chain, but food and fertilizer and energy and all the things that we consume and we take for granted, quite frankly. And when those things get impacted, you know, we, we feel it not you know, six years from now, we feel it right now. So then I love, I love how you approach that with, you know, looking at things right now, where are they at? And as you're looking at that information now and, you know, over the next, you know, few years, you'll notice when things shift, you're like, okay, now we're seeing a shift and it looks like we're potentially segueing out of the energy side of things and going into whatever it will be, whether yeah. it's going to be 
AI investments or you know, who knows what you know what's going to be the world's going to look like in, in 2026. Not that far away, but basically the way we've been innovating over the last few years, you know, it, it's amazing you know how much things can change in a very short period of time. Yeah, last last week actually was very special um, from a risk management point of view because the correlation um, was was extremely high. So like everything did did, did poorly, you know, like or even even like like gold, uh, which is sort of like perceived rightly or wrongly as sort of like a bit of a bit of a hedge in times of inflation. Um, it it not, nothing last. Just if you look at just one week, and you can include this Monday, like like yesterday, um, it every everything sort of like 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 failed and that is sort of like a bit the nightmare of from a risk management uh, perspective because what you what you do is you try to learn from history um, and so you look um, what what does well in a difficult difficult wire, uh, environment like we are in now uh, and one uh, one sort of like small sector is is, is gold mining or, or gold another one is defense uh, which has obviously um, uh, it does well in if the if the the ge geopolitical risk uh, increases and now it it, it didn't just increase uh, like a new war uh, started um, and and so that's why it it makes sense to look at smaller sectors or industries um, to 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 find pockets of of let's say investments that are are sort of like loosely uh, correlated um, with with the with let's say with a, a 60 40 like 60 percent equities 40 percent bonds portfolio but last week was was just a very special case where correlation was almost one you know among 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 investment among, among broad investments like equities and bonds but also within those um pockets which typically have sort of like a bit negative correlation when in, in difficult times yeah when you look at your investment portfolio and you see red across all the platforms the best thing is just you know shut down the computer go buy a cup of coffee or a tea and go outside and just get away from it because uh, a, a lot of times i know in talking with investors you know they they panic and they and when you panic that can be detrimental to you as far as your long-term or even short-term investment goals so and again this is not a show about investment advice just information but uh, i know when those those days where you, you kind of look at all the different uh, markets and and i i saw that yesterday too it was like wow what in the world and it's like okay this is going to cause some uneasiness for yeah. a lot of people and from a risk standpoint, you know, hedge fund managers and, and all of that, they're like, okay, what's what's my hedge? It's like yeah. my head, I, I need hedges for my hedges. And it's- in, term, in terms of panic, there is this famous saying that if you have to panic, panic early. Obviously that is much easier said than done. But one of the, one of the um, situations we're in, in in 2022, that a lot of the, uh, the stuff um, is actually not predictable, but but determinable uh, um, from a, from an outcasting point of view. So, for example, uh, the, the macro situation in most in most countries has been has been getting worse um, uh, over over throughout the whole year, even prior prior to the uh, to the war. Um, and you can measure that, for example, um, with uh, with uh, GDP forecasts. You know, you can measure uh, are, they, are they falling, and then you can measure how strong 
from their falling? Are they falling mildly or are they are they falling uh, sharply? And and since the war began, they they uh, they have been falling very sharply. The closer the economies to the uh, to the war, like Eastern Europe mainly, but also Germany. But then if you go to Australia, it's a, it's a different it's a different situation. Um, and also, for example, Brazil, India, they are completely I wouldn't say unaffected, um, but you you don't see it in the in the in the revisions uh, data. So that gives you a sort of like a, a clue what is what is going on without any predictions at all. You don't need. You just need well the information, obviously, but you don't need. You don't need to predict um, uh, to to make uh, investment decisions. And one of the funny things. Um, I would say, well, funny in, in, in quotes is that the, the, the earnings, uh, it's also something I look at. It's sort of like the, the bottom up stuff I, I do um, from an outcasting perspective. They haven't, they haven't uh, worsened. I wouldn't say at all, but they are the, the, the downward revisions. Um, if if there are downward uh, revisions, are very mild in in, in most cases, and, and that's not necessarily how it always works. Normally, it's sort of like a it's it's sort of like correlated that you sort of like the, the economists bring down their forecasts, and then the stock analysts respond to that, and then we can start measuring it by looking at um, like the, on on a sector level. But this time is it's it, that that is different. So earnings have not been revised downwards uh, to any large uh, degree. There are some exceptions to that in, in, in some sectors, but generally speaking, let's say if you look at the, the main sectors of the MSCI world all on that level, it's the, the, the downward revisions are abnormally mild given how strong uh, the macro uh, forecasts have been revised downwards. Yeah, I think I, I think it was the S and P five hundred. I think a third of the S and P five hundred are announcing their earnings this week. If I, I could be wrong, but uh, but I remember seeing that just a headline somewhere. It's like, you know, and, and I, I agree. I we're seeing a lot of companies that um, aren't showing a, a gigantic drop off in profits. And again, like you, I agree with you, there are some sectors that are going to struggle a little bit more, but some are rebounding and are doing well. So it's really going to be interesting to see how this plays out. So definitely want to spend some time on your book. So tell us about the new book. Well, it's called Applied Wisdom. Um, and uh, the subtitle is 700 Witticisms to Save Your Assets. Um, and it's sort of, it's, I see it as a risk management uh, book, but it's, it's, very, uh, it's very casual. It's a very casual read. Uh, I started writing uh, as a financial analyst, as I mentioned, in the, in the late 1980s. <clears throat> and I started using quotes just to spice up things uh, a bit. I enjoy quotes and I collect them. Um, so now, 30 years later, I have quite a, a selection. So I, and I put that into a book. So normally when I write research, I start with the content, you know, and then the, in the end, I might find a Winston Churchill quote, which which works well with, with, the, with the content. Now, for this book, I turned things around. I started with, uh, with the quote. So I take a, a quote I like, let's say, you know, Churchill or Keynes or whoever, and then I add some uh, content to it. So it's, it's sort of like a, I see it as a risk management book because it's sort of like um, it, it's sort of like that is sort of like my 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 core expertise, and I always I always fall back to my core expertise. But there's a lot of other um, stuff in in there which it might not be that much related to risk management. I love that format. I'm a fan of quotes too. There, I've got a, a book that I picked up several years ago at a JW Marriott. I was speaking at an event, and they had a little 
shop that had like golf clothing and attire and things like that. And just to, by the cash register, they just had this book. They didn't have, yeah. I, don't, I didn't see any other books in there. They just happened to have that one. Yeah. And I looked at them like, you know what? This looks interesting and it, it, it's small. So it fits in the luggage really easily. And, you know, yeah. I, I go back and I look at it time and time again. And you just, you know, cause those, those quotes will, will get your mind moving on things because they, they paint a picture and a lot of people that look at, you know, quotes and they get amazed and I do. And I understand just because of humanity and everything like that, that a quote that Winston Churchill said so many years ago is applicable right now as, yeah. as if he, as if he told it to our faces today. Yeah. He did. Yeah. One, one of the claims I make um, in the, in the book is that uh, often, um, <clears throat> you know, we have, we have obviously we had the science, uh, the scientific revolution a couple of hundred years ago. And let's say in finance, you have, let's say modern portfolio theory. So in the 1950s and 60s, you had Harry Markowitz coming up with uh, with a portfolio selection where he proved mathematically that it works, that, uh, you know, diversifying reduces uh, risk. But the wisdom behind that is, thousands of years old right it predates um, even even science right we we only call, we only have science as we know it today for the past couple of uh, hundred years um, be, before that it was it was called something else you know like philosophy or, or thinking or, or whatever um, and and so what I claim is that uh, you can you can trace some of these quotes uh, and then uh, and then find uh, find an entry from 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 a scientist like in finance it would be Harry Markowitz um, you know and in, in in health you know you, you say um, you know an, an apple a day keeps the doctor away that's extremely old right um, uh, and it, it predates uh, the, the, the scientific proof that it's actually true that you know a lot of fruit uh, is, is good for you, right? Um, so the book focuses on, on the wisdom and not necessarily on the scientific proof of the, the wisdom. And that's and some of some of the ideas we, 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 you know, we perhaps take for granted or we, we call scientific today or thousands of years, thousands of years old. Yeah, the apple a day story reminds me, I used to work in healthcare and one of the doctors that I worked with was actually allergic to apples. Yeah. And, and so I, I said, well, I said, I don't think that's what they meant by this. But yeah, yeah whenever, whenever he's like, I have a meeting with you. It's like, okay, let me grab an apple. He said, you don't want to meet with me, do you? It's like, not today. But, you know, it was a running joke that we had. But yeah. uh, ultimately, it's, again, those sayings that go back hundreds or thousands of years, yeah. it's that they're applicable today. So in closing, you know, a thought came to mind because I think a lot of people, especially in investing, you know, they're, and we've talked about this before, but, you know, they're looking to the future. How can somebody that is so future forward looking on things kind of shift? And I know the answer is like, you know, study your work because they'll be able to do it. But how do you get to the here and now? Because not just in investing, but in life, I think so many people are, worried about the future and all of that instead of focusing on the data and the information that we have here right now. So mm-hmm. you know, what, 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 what's some tips that you could provide people for that? Just kind of help them get a little bit more narrow focused investing or just even in life. Yeah, well, one obviously, as, as a researcher, I, su- I suggest to be a realist rather than an optimist. But um, now I think last last uh, last week we had um, 52 years, the 52nd birthday of Earth Day. 
right? I mean, it's it's not like environmentalists uh, start to, started that, in, I think, in 1970, which, you know, 50, 52 years ago. Uh, and there's, there's, there were some sort of like um, entries into um, in, in, in Twitter or in, in social media claiming that every single prediction uh, is actually wrong, right? So it, it's a, it's an extreme form of, of fear-mongering. Um, you have that in, in, in with, with climate change, um, you know, with, uh, with in the in the seventies it was the Club of Rome, and today it's the IPCC. So uh, today um, it's it's the it's UN sponsored. Um, but you also have that in finance. I mean, every day you could read someone predicting a crash is just around the corner, and I don't think that's a very good way to to invest. Uh, you cannot be scared all the time. Uh, I mean, we know that um, economies, uh, you know, free economies, capitalist economies, they expand. Um, you know, typically the, the companies, uh, when, it, when they're taken together in an index like the S&P 500, they, 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 they make money. Uh, otherwise, they sort of like disappear and are replaced by other companies. And you, as an investor, you can participate in that. And I think that that long-term focus um, is, is the most important thing. So you can, when you do risk management, you are, you are a bit short-term missed because every day, you know, the, you know, a meter, you can hit by, you hit by a, a car or a meteorite, but that's not the way to invest uh, long-term. You, you can think about these things, but it's not, it's, uh, I cannot ma imagine a good investor being scared um, all the time. Although that said, we shouldn't forget that the, over the in, in, in my lifetime, let's say over the past 20 or 30 years, uh, investment lifetime, I mean, um, the S&P 500 was, you know, was the gold standard, right? It just went up and even 50% drawdowns were recovered uh, shortly. But in the 19S, uh, 1980s, it was the Nikkei 225, um, which was the, the gold standard, right? And it went from 40,000 to 7,000. So that doesn't mean we should be scared that that could happen with the S&P 500, but it's always, it's. I, I think uh, what I'm trying to say is, we shouldn't ignore history. I mean, we should, um, you know, pay attention to, uh, you know, things changing. Uh, and that is sort of like, a, it's a bit of a cliche, but, you know, there's a cliche that uh, there's only one constant in the universe, which is change. Things always change. And from a risk management perspective, yes, we have to, you know, every day, in, in, in my case, or as an investor, you know, on the regular intervals, we have to, you know, analyze things and pay attention to change, uh, but without sort of like being scared that the, the world is going to end within, you know, three months or so. I love that. That's great, great information and insight to share with everybody. So, Alexander, I love this conversation. Where can people find out more about you and all this amazing work you do? Well, I've got a website, which is my surname. It's in icon, uh, then dash rm for riskmanagement.com. Or if you, if you, if you Google my name, it, you, you should come. I've got a, a website called alexanderinicon.com. Um, and yeah, you should, that's, that's where to, to find me. Awesome. And I'll definitely have all that information in the show notes. So again, Alexander, thank you so much for your time today. Really appreciate you and, and love this conversation. Thanks for the opportunity. Thanks for listening to The Breakfast Leadership Show, part of The Breakfast Leadership Network. Visit breakfastleadership.com for tips on empowering your business and your life.